and welcome back to Chaplain Chad's podcast. Today we'll be looking at Jonah chapter 3. Uh, remember we had titled the uh, book of Jonah, Prophet Running, uh, Jonah a Prophet Running, or Jonah a Running Prophet. Uh, we looked at chapter 1 as Jonah running from God. In chapter 2, we looked at Jonah running to God, subtitled that as um fish belly theology and then we have titled chapter three jonah running to uh running with god Uh, we want to think about the mission of god what is really the mission of god Uh, there's a term out there called misio die misio day it's it's really means the mission of god what is the mission of god The mission of God is first and foremost God's mission and the primary emphasis is on uh, doing uh, God's redemptive work in the world. It's his redemptive work. Now, thankfully, he has chosen to use us. And when I say uh, fortunately and and it's a blessing, it's because we're broken. we we've all had shattered lives we've all lived a broken life we we we've all have uh, smears upon us yes we have been put back together uh, by god but we continually fall and falter and fail in sin Um, but god chooses to use broken vessels us for his mission for his purpose God uh, through uh, Paul through the Holy Spirit tells us that we are God's ambassadors we are his ministers of reconciliation Uh, so with that being said with that thought of the mission of God what is one God's divine directive we have a divine directive from God look at Jonah chapter 3 verses 1 through 4 says now the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time saying arise go to Nineveh the great city and preach to it the message that I will tell you so Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city a three days journey and Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk then he cried out and said and yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown Uh, what a marvelous and wonderful God we serve he's a God who who gives grace and mercy he's a God who has redeemed us he is a God who seeks us as someone once said that God is the hound of heaven he seeks us out and in seeking us out he is a God of uh, of patience of long suffering he's a God that longs to redeem his people in these uh, first four verses we know that 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 Jonah had cried out to God in the belly of the fish and he had uh, decided to give his life back to Christ and to fulfill his vow and here we see that the results of that repentance that 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 results of that change of life and we see that whenever God touches our lives there is a change in our lives Uh, first of all there's a change in our attitudes Uh, we no longer run from God we no longer seek to hide from God we seek to be with God 
And this is a great thing because in the midst of Jonah's running away from God, Jonah was thrown overboard and he thought he was going to die. And notice what 2 Kings chapter 13, 22 says. And Hazel, king of Syria, oppressed Israel all of the days of Jehoshaphat. Uh, because of his covenant, uh, but the Lord was gracious to them, meaning Israel, and had compassion on them and regarded uh, them because of his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and would not yet destroy them or cast them from his presence. Even in the midst of our running from God, he longs to redeem us. He longs to restore us. He longs to forgive us. In 2 Kings 14, 27, we see it again. And the Lord did not say that he would blot them out, blot out the name of Israel from under heaven, but he saved them by the hand of Jeroboam, the son of Joash. Our actions reveal to us and reveal to God our desires and God's willingness to save us. Yes, God chastens us. He sends us into the ocean. He sends us as far away as we can imagine from Him. He causes things to allow things to happen in our lives. He disciplines us. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6, that for whom the Lord loves, He chastens and He scourges every son whom He receives. He disciplines us because He loves us, because He protects us, and He wants to provide for us. And in that sense, that our actions must change. Look what happened with Jonah. In Jonah chapter 1, verse 3, it says, But Jonah rose to flee from the presence of the Lord. And God disciplined him, sent him overboard. In verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 1, we had the same phrase, And the word of the Lord came to Jonah. But this time Jonah arose and went to Nineveh. He obeyed. Whenever we... Uh, Whenever we're given a divine directive and we obey God, our actions are going to change. Uh, notice that in verses uh, chapter 1, verse 2, and chapter 3, verse 2, there are three uh, imperatives in both of those uh, verses, and they're all three the same. Arise, go, proclaim. That, that is our divine directive. We are to arise. We are to raise up and live and to do what God has called us to do. We are to be attentive to Him. We are to stand at attention, ready for Him to send us out. And then we are to go. Go wherever He sends us. Wherever He tells us to go. And then we are to proclaim His message wherever He calls us and whatever He calls us to preach. Notice in verse 2 it says, And preach to, uh, preach to it the message I will tell you. I'm reminded of a of a football game in 1929. Uh, you may have seen the uh, uh, the replays of it. You may know the story of it. It was 1929. It was uh, New Year's Day. Uh, Georgia Tech was playing the UCLA Bruins in the uh, Rose Bowl. In the game, a, a, a player named Roy Regals recovered a fumble for UCLA, and somehow. He became confused and started running in the wrong direction. And one of his teammates, Benny Learn, outran him and tackled him just before he scored for the opposing team. And this strange play came at the end of the first half. And everyone was asking, will Coach Nibs put him back in? 
Nibs Price. Uh, what will he do with with Roy Regals in, in the second half? The second half was about to start. Coach Price uh, looked at the team and simply said, Men, the same team that played the first half will start the second. The players all got up and started out, uh, but Regals, he did not budge. And Coach Price came to him and, uh, Roy, uh, didn't you hear me, Coach says. Then Regals looked up with uh, wet uh, cheeks from the tears that he was crying. And he said, Coach, I can't do it. I've ruined myself. I couldn't face the crowd in the stadium to save my life. And Coach Price reached out his hand and put his hand on Regal's shoulder and said to him, Roy, get up and go back. The game is only half over. And Roy Regals went out, uh, went back, and those tech men would tell you that they'd never seen a guy play football like Roy Regals did the second half. See, God, when he calls us, when we change our attitudes, we find out that our actions are going to change. Notice also that not only did our actions change, our actions change with the divine directive, but also our ambitions change. The purpose of a second chance is, is to change our ambition. It's to change our desires, our, our purpose, our, our, our passions. Whereas in chapter 1, Jonah received the word of the Lord and instead of going, he went the wrong way. In chapter 1, verse 3, it says that Jonah arose to flee from Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And he went down to Joppa and went on a ship going to Tarshish. And so he paid a fare and he went down into it and with them from Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But in chapter 3, Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. See, Jonah realized that, that he was purchased with a price. First Corinthians 6.20 says that for you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Do what you do not for you but for God. For your calling in God is higher than what man can place on you. Changes our ambitions. But it also changes our attitude our actions. We don't get to choose our calling or the message that we preach. Those who belong to God, God has that control. He gets to tell us where to go. He directs our steps. He numbers our days and he puts a message in our mouth. 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 18, verse 7 says, And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me? Yet we don't always get to decide the message that we preach. Sometimes that message is a hard message. No, that's a sin. No, that is wrong. No, I won't allow you to do that. No, God is a loving God and he doesn't desire to see you hurting. And sometimes we got to stand up and love and rebuke someone. And that's okay. Sometimes we tell someone, such as in Isaiah chapter 38, verse 1, In those days Hezekiah was sick and near death, and the, Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, uh, went and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order that you shall surely die. We often think that 
that we get to preach the message that we want to preach, teach the message we want to teach, and say the message that we want to say. We've got to make sure that it is biblical and that it is God's message. We are His mouthpiece. In this section, I want us to remember what Alistair Begg said. He says, we see Jesus throughout the Bible. We see him in the, Old, in the New Testament. We see him in the Old Testament. It is in the Old Testament he is predicted. In the Gospels he is revealed. In Acts he is preached. And in the apostles, epistles he is explained. And in Revelation he is revealed. Notice that in these four verses, there are two numbers. One is three. And that's an interesting number. We have the Trinity. We have three patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But maybe most importantly, Jesus says that, that the sign of the times will be like that of Jonah. In Matthew 12, 38-42 says, Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered them and said, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. And no sign will be given it to you except the sign of the prophet of Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the, earth, in the heart of the earth. The men in Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn him, condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And indeed, a greater than Jonah is here. Notice the three days. Now, the, the Jews had this, this, this crazy thought that after three days, the, the spirit no longer hovers over the body, but then is gone into uh, eternity, uh, whether that is in Hades or whether that's in heaven. It, maybe the three days that it took Jonah to go and preach to this uh, nation, uh, its message that God gave it was in three days, you're going to, you have to decide whether you're going to live or die. What you do in the next three days is going to dictate what you're going to do for all of eternity. And notice number four, number two, the number 40. The 40 is, is an interesting number. It, in the Bible, it, it, it represents a testing, a trial. Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days fasting. He was tried. And the Israelites were in the wilderness for 40 years. They were purging the generation. God was purging the generation that did not accept the uh, mission of going into Canaan. Notice, second of all, we see a divine deliverance. Verses 5 through 9. So the people of Nineveh believed God proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. And the word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose, and his, uh, he arose from his thro throne and laid aside his robe. He covered himself in sackcloth and in set in ashes, and he caused it to be a proclaimed, caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and the nobles of his nobles, saying, let neither man nor beast nor herd nor flock taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water, but let every but let man and beast be covered in sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let every one turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. 
Who can tell if God will turn and relent from and turn away from his fierce anger and we may not perish? This was not a revival. This was a great awakening. In 1904-1905, one of the great revivals started, great awakenings started from a Welsh revival. Evan Roberts was a coal miner. He was tall and blue-eyed. He was young and thin. His dark hair curled over his forehead and his ears. He harbored a deep burden for souls and he prayed earnestly for a revival. At the age of 25, having just begun studying for ministry, he asked his pastor for permission to hold some evening meetings. Only a few people came at first, but within days the village shops were closing early for the services. People left work to secure their seats at church. The buildings were packed. The railroads were clogged with would-be attenders. The services often lasted till 4.30 a.m. Sins were being confessed and sinners converted and homes restored. In neighboring towns, Robert saw similar results. All across Wales, uh, theaters closed, jails emptied, churches filled, soccer matches were canceled and to avoid conflicting with the revival, the awakening. Welsh miners were so, con were so converted that their pit ponies had to be retrained to work without the prodding of cursing. On March 29, 1905, Evan Roberts opened a series of meetings at the Shaw Street Chapel in Liverpool and out of, the, uh, out of Wales and into New England. And out of the country and out of the city, thousands thronged to the church. People were poured into parts of England, Scotland, Ireland, and the continent, the America. Multitudes were saved and found new joy in Christ. Now, often, Roberts didn't even preach. The very sight of him sent rivers of emotions flowing through the crowds. And when he did speak, his message was simple. Obedience to Jesus, complete consecration to his service, and receiving of the Holy Spirit, allowing ourselves to be ruled by him. A great awakening broke out in Wales and England. Lives were changed, souls were saved, and cities were changed for the glory of God. In the same year in America, a great awakening was happening in Denver, Colorado. The headline story was the, in the, of the Denver Post, dated uh, January 20, 1905, was as follows. Entire cities pauses for prayer at the high tide of business and the soul's rise above the sore thoughts. Remarkable outburst of gospel sentiment provoked by awakening. Evangelist Chapman and his associates caused a hush to spread over the populace while the noonday meetings draw congregations unprecedented in numbers. The opening paragraphs uh, of the lead article described the situation in the city. For two hours at midday, all Denver was held in a spell. The marts of trade and the desert were deserted between noon and two o'clock in the afternoon, and worldly affairs were forgotten for the entire city was given over to the meditation of higher things. The Spirit of the Almighty pervaded every nook and cranny. 
going and coming to uh, from great meetings, the thousands of men and women radiated the spirit which filled them, and the clear Colorado sunshine was made brighter and reflected the glow of the light of the God of God shining on people's faces. Seldom has such remarkable sights been witnessed. An entire city in the middle of a busy week bowing before the throne of heaven and asking and receiving a blessing of the kings, king of the universe. That's what happened in America. That's what happened in, in, in Welsh. And I imagine that's what happened in Nineveh with our divine deliverance. That's what happens to us. A great awakening happens to us. The king believed. The people believed. Whatever that message was, they believed it. One of the doctrines, doctrines of that Christians profess today it, do not hold. Uh, one of the, the, the one of the, the doctrines that Christians don't hold to as tightly today as they did once was that of hell. Jesus preached more on hell than he did on heaven. Maybe they were heard they they heard hell preached you're going to be overturned in 40 days and they believed jonah's message and repented they declared the king declared a fast i'm reminded of an elderly couple at home one evening and the husband was in his recliner and the wife was on the couch and his wife was hard of hearing and the man said to his wife honey after 50 years of marriage i have found you tried and true and the wife can't says i can't hear you you're going to have to speak up and the man said a little bit louder i said after 50 years of marriage i have found you tried and true and the wife again i can't hear you sam what are you saying and the man got frustrated and stood up and cupped his hands over his mouth and yelled after I said, after 50 years of marriage, I have found you tried and true. The wolf, uh, the wife shot back, or shot back. You don't have to yell. After 50 years of marriage, I'm tired of you too. <laughs> she didn't get the message, but Nineveh did. Nineveh heard the message of Jonah. He heard the message of God, and they believed. Not only did they believe, but they put their actions, their, their beliefs into actions. They covered themselves with sackcloth and set in ashes. Sackcloth was made of, of goat's hair, of camel's hair. It, it was rough and coarse and, and, and didn't flex very much. It was an outward symbol of mourning. It's an outward uh, appearance of, of we're not satisfied with who we are. We need to be changed. Because of that, there was a disaster diverted. Verse 10, Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from a disaster, from, from the disaster that He had said that He would bring upon them. And He did not do it. In a world where we don't believe that works is a sign of our salvation, we are sorely mistaken. When we think that our relationship with Jesus is more important than our obedience to Jesus, I think 
we have jumped on a slippery slope. The Bible confirms that salvation is not gained by works, but it does prove and does say that by works people will know you. We can't say we're Christian and live like non-Christians. We can't love God and not do anything with God or for God or to God. I just ask the simple question. If you're in a marriage relationship and you do nothing for your spouse, what is the evidence of your love? You don't go to work. You don't pay the bills. You don't spend time with your spouse. You don't spend time with your kids. What kind of relationship do you have? You don't show up for work. You don't have a job. We often forget that works is the evidence of our relationship with those that we have relationships with. And if we have a relationship with God, we have responsibilities to read our Bibles, to pray, to fast, to turn from our wicked ways. Nineveh did that. And God relented. He changed. Now, there's this doctrine called uh, the immutability of God, the unchangingness of God. God changed. God's never changing. He's always the same. And God has put boundaries out there for us that if you want to be saved, you must confess Jesus as Lord. Romans 10, 13. If you do that, you are a Christian. You have set you have found your way inside the boundaries that God set. Now, for Nineveh, they were outside those boundaries. They were living in their evil ways, their wicked ways, and they found themselves in the judgment of God. But because they changed, and it wasn't just a verbal change, it was an action. It was something that they did. You could see the results you know what it's like when you got saved. Your joy of your salvation, your attitudes changed, your thoughts changed, your words changed. Your countenance changed. And in the same way, that happened with Nineveh. And because they did that, God's promise remained. If you repent, you will be saved. If you repent, I will not destroy you. If you don't repent, I will destroy you. Today, I hope that in this message, what you find is two things. One, that you have a relationship with Jesus. And if you haven't and you're still looking for divine deliverance, come and speak to me. Give me a call. Give me an email. 318-205-8587. Or chaplainreister at gmail.com. C-H-A-P-L-A-I-N-R-E-I-S-T-E-R at gmail.com. And put your, your belief in him. Declare your faith. And put on that new person that God has promised you. May God bless you.